Amen. I was busy. I was busy looking at Tommy over here. <laughs> Amen. If you have your Bibles, open them up to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 15, verse 16. I'm going to read this verse this morning. Proverbs 15, verse 16. Oh, thank you, worship team. Wonderful. Always good to worship the Lord. It's always good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, man, it's good to be here. Praise the Lord. I'll be reading this verse. I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. We had an awesome time on Wednesday night. Wednesday, the world celebrates Halloween. And, uh, but we, we, we had a harvest festival. And we had so many people come through. And so I wanted to thank all of you that participated, that helped out, that sacrificed. I mean, a lot of work. A lot of work, and, uh, but we had a, a really, really good time, and uh, what a blessing that was. Proverbs 15, verse 16, and it says this in the New International Version. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Heavenly Father, this morning, as we read these words... Help us to understand what they mean, for they were not written just off the top of someone's head, but written in response to a life of experience. And so I pray, Father, that you would help us to understand what these words mean, what they might mean to us. And we thank you for what you're doing in each of our lives. We thank you for what you're doing in our city, and our church, and how you desire to use us to make a difference in the world. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Believe it or not, the man who wrote these words was one of the wealthiest men that ever lived. It was Solomon. Solomon had everything anybody could ever want. When you think about his wealth, and you can read about it, uh, he had everything anybody would ever try to pursue in this life, to try and achieve, to, to amass for themselves. Scholars today have estimated his worth at $2.2 trillion is how much he was worth, is how much he had in terms of gold and uh, the wealth that he had amassed for himself. I'm not sure how they arrived at that number, but the Bible tells us that he received the equivalent to 25 tons of gold each year for the 39 years that he was king. If you can imagine that, 25 tons of gold a year. Not to mention the tribute uh, of gold that nations would give him, those nations that Israel had conquered over time and had uh, you know, dominion over, those kings would give him tributes of gold and wealth and other things. He had become so rich, the Bible tells us that his cups, the cups he used to drink from, were all gold. The utensils in his house were gold. In fact, if he went to go get a butter knife and it was silver, they'd probably throw that thing away. The Bible says that they didn't even use silver. Silver had, had become so cheap because gold had become the standard in Jerusalem. According to chapter 10, the same, uh, in, in chapter 10 of 1 Kings, verse, uh, 
chapter 10, verse 21, it says, not a single one of the utensils in his house, cups or whatever, was made of silver. He was so wealthy that his wealth alone changed the economy of his entire nation. He was so wealthy that his wealth changed the nation. The money he spent, the people he hired, he paid the, the wages that he paid, the, the taste that he had for things in his city, in his nation, he transformed the nation. His wealth changed the nation. The Bible tells us that because of him, gold and silver were as common in Jerusalem as rocks on the ground. He was wealthy. His prosperity wasn't just a local phenomenon. The Bible tells us that Solomon had become the talk of the world. I was reading and uh, some of the story of his life. And there's a story in 1 Kings chapter 10. And beginning in verses 1 through 6, it tells about a, a queen from the south. That somewhere uh, in, in Africa, a queen had heard about him. Now she was wealthy. And, and she uh, you know, enjoyed wisdom and parables and uh, sayings of, of, of you know, wise sayings. And so she want to, wanted to see if all she heard about him was true. And the Bible tells us the story in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 6. So she traveled to Jerusalem to see if it was true, to talk to him, to see what it was he had there in his kingdom. And this is what she said. She said to the king, the report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. She goes on to say, say but I did not believe these things until I came and saw them with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told me. In wisdom and wealth, you have far exceeded the report I heard. Not only did he have material wealth, but he was blessed by God. And you can read the story of the conversation and the prayer that he had with the Lord. God blessed him not only with wealth, physical, financial, but he blessed him with wisdom. He blessed him. He was with him. He, God was with Solomon. But deep down inside, with all of his wealth and all of his wives, hello, and all of his wisdom, Solomon had lost his purpose. There was something missing in his life. The original desire that he had to serve God and to serve God's kingdom was lost. That was the original conversation with God. God came to him in a dream and said, hey, Solomon, so, so never dismiss a dream. He came to him in a dream. He said, you know what, Solomon, whatever you want, I'm willing to give you. Just ask, whatever, whatever you want. If you are willing to walk in, in, in the ways of your father David and serve me and love me, if you're willing to do that, I will give you whatever you ask for. And what he asked for was wisdom. That's all he asked for. And God was so impressed with his prayer, with his request, he says, you know, because you didn't ask for long life, and because you didn't ask for the death of your enemies, and because you didn't ask for wealth, for money, I'm going to give you everything that you didn't ask for on top of your wealth on, on to, or on top of your wisdom. And so God blessed him. 
He blessed him. And the reason why he asked for wisdom in the first place was to be a good steward of the kingdom that he had inherited. He says, man, you blessed my father with all of this. Who am I? I'm just a child. Who am I to lead these great people? I need wisdom. I don't want to lose what my father worked for. I don't want to lose the name of Israel, the name that bears the name of our God. I don't want to lose this. So give me what I need, the competency I need to be a leader that, that leads these people in the ways of the Lord. That's what he asked for originally. And God blessed him with much, with much. But he had lost his purpose. Wealth had become such a distraction to him, such a distraction that there was no longer any time for God. He was so overwhelmed, so consumed with the stuff that he had, things to do. When you have wealth, you have more things to do, it seems like. Oh, I, I can go here. Oh, I can buy that if I want. Oh, there's a sale at Macy's? I'm there. Hello. When you have the money, all of a sudden opportunities, doors open for us. And we're distracted, distracted, no longer any time for God. As the years passed by, the outward appearance of his glory, the outward appearance of his majesty and his magnificence continued to increase dramatically. People all over the world noticed him. They couldn't help but to notice him. So much so that it became, he became the talk of royalty everywhere around the world. But deep inside, something was missing in Solomon's life. In his life, there was something eating at him, and Solomon knew exactly what it was. This was the state of his heart when he wrote these words in Proverbs. This is what was going on in his mind when he wrote these words. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. It is better to have little. It is better to be in need and have peace with God, to be in need and to love God and to know God, to have a relationship with God than to have all kinds of wealth and turmoil where your mind is messed up and you're, and you're pursuing, your life is divided by all kinds of wants and wishes and desires where hungers and all kinds of appetites well up in you that were never there before because you have access to other, th other things. Because all of a sudden now, I can walk in this circle and I can walk in that circle and I can do this and I can do that. Wealth messed this man up, messed him up big time. He says, better, just a little, with peace, with an understanding of God. We've all heard stories of people who have won the lottery. They even have TV shows about it, right? People who have won the lottery only to lose their families. There are some people who end up with greater debt than the money they won, right? Win a million, find out that later they're in debt for two million. <laughs> How does that happen? Who knows? Who knows? But it happens. Just this year alone, Earlier in 2018, a man who won $19 million, $19 million in the lottery was caught robbing banks. Broke, completely broke. Not only does the money vanish, not only does the money disappear, but whatever sense of morality and decency that we had before 
that windfall that we had before, that great new discovery of wealth and the power and the access that it gives us, all of it is lost as well. No more, no more morality, no more common sense, right? Win the lottery, lose it all in such debt that you gotta rob banks. It changes lives. This is what we see in Solomon's life. He found all the wealth he could ever want, but he lost his purpose. He was an empty man. He lost sight of what he had. There was a time when he was rich towards God, but not anymore. It, it, when it comes to character and spirituality, he had become poorer and poorer as much as he had. He could drink from a, a gold cup and, and he could eat his food with golden forks and knives. But when it comes to character, he was empty. When it came to purpose, he was empty. He had nothing to live for anymore. 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 3 through 6 says this. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. You know what a concubine is? That's a live-in wife. She ain't even married to, he's not even married to them. He has wives, 700, then 300 like girlfriends shacking up with 300. With 700, how do you do that? But that was his life. And then he goes on and says this, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of his David father had been. He followed Astrith the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. You know, Molech, I talked about Molech not too long ago, where people would give their children to Molech, burn them alive. His heart had changed, his mind has changed. The, the sense that he had before, the desire to lead God's people in God's ways was completely lost, completely lost. He served Molech, he served Astra, the god of, of sexual pleasure. So Solomon, the Bible says, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David, his father, had done. And I've seen this happen in our day where people don't realize the value of what they have. Better is little with the peace. Better is little with fear of the Lord, better is little. God can always give you more, but it's better to have peace with God and just have a little wealth. Believe me, it goes much further. I've seen people who don't value what they have. I've seen people today that don't value who they have in their lives until everything is gone. It happens with calling. It happens with a sense of destiny. It happens with relationships, with children. It happens with health, where we take advantage of all that's, that, that, that you know, is around us, all that is accessible to us, and it messes us up physically, physically. And there comes a time when we really don't value what we have. Solomon had become distracted, distracted by his wealth. After amassing great wealth, 
He became disillusioned with what he had. And it didn't mean as much to him. Disillusionment is that feeling of, of disappointment when we discover that something is not as good as we thought it would be. Disillusionment, that happens to people all the time. I was, I was at Disneyland. It was a while back. We were at Disneyland. We were, there's like a bridge when you go to the castle. You ever been there? Where they have the, there's a little bridge that goes to the castle. And there was a guy behind me. And I could tell he was from England. He had a British ac accent. And, and he says, this is the castle? You know, and, and in England, Europe, they have real castles, right? <laughs> real ones, you know, big ones that you can walk inside of. And there's rooms and stuff. He said, this is the castle? This little thing? And he's probably like, man, I spent all this money, $100 a head to bring my family over here and see a toy castle? It's not even real. Right? Disillusionment. Disillusionment. When we discover something is not as good as you once believed it would be. After pursuing something and pursuing something and pursuing something and it does not bring the contentment that you expect it. That's disillusionment. It could be an affair. Hello. It could be a second job that pulls you away from family, that pulls you away from church, that pulls you away from God. It could be a party life where you're looking for the excitement and the fun and all that, and then you wake up the next morning and say, what in the world was I thinking? What was I doing? Disillusionment is defined as the disappointment that you feel when you realize that something you thought was true is simply not true at all. Or when you realize that something you thought was good is not as good as you hoped it would be. It's the condition of being disenchanted. You've heard that word before, right? Disenchanted, that's an unusual word. Because the word enchanted means to be under a spell. To be enchanted is to be under a spell. It means to be disenchanted that you wake up from the spell and you see things for what they really are. He was disenchanted. He was under a spell. A man or a woman who is enchanted is bewitched. They're bewitched into believing that something is true or something is right or something is promising until we wake up. And then we have that feeling of disenchantment. That, man, what was I thinking? Disillusionment. What was I thinking? I thought this was different. Right? We discover that whatever it was is empty is meaningless, is worthless, and unfortunately, by that time, it's a little too late. Solomon said, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Love what you have. Love what you have. Love your wife. Love your husband. Love your children. Your parents, if you're a child, love your, your, your parents. Love your calling. Has God called you to something? Love your calling. Your good name. Your reputation. A good name. Not, not some reputation from the streets. Love a good name. Love your body and care for it. 
It's the only one you got. You can't go to, the, to, to Costco and find another. You got any bodies today? You can't buy another one. When your lungs are messed up and your, and, and your body is messed up, nobody sells that. You can't get another one. Love your Christian faith and your testimony. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. When the queen of the south came and saw Solomon's wealth, meant she was totally amazed. In fact, when you go on in that story in 1 Kings chapter 10, it says in verse 8, she said, how happy your men must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. And they might have been very happy, but little did she know that he was messed up. His heart was messed up. That Solomon, man, his, his happiness for him was elusive. He couldn't find it. He couldn't find it in the wealth. He couldn't find it in the, in the one wife, in the two wives. He was now up to 700 and 300 concubines. Can you imagine that? Some of you only got up to about 15 or 16, right? <laughs> he was up to 300 concubines. And he was not happy. With all of his wives, there was no real love. With all of his money, there was no real joy. His officers didn't know it. The queen of the south didn't know, man, they must be happy to be here. But he says, you know what, better is little with the fear of the Lord than a whole lot of money and emptiness and turmoil. Man, there are, there are storms going on in my head, storms going on in my heart. I have all this stuff, I'm chasing after stuff, but I'm empty, I'm alone. 700 wives and I'm alone. His officers didn't know it. His servants didn't know it. But Solomon took things for granted and he didn't value what he had. But what he came to learn is this, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Where the fear of the Lord is, there's gonna be peace. Where the fear of the Lord is, there's going to be contentment of spirit. Where you're content. Where there's joy and meaning and purpose. There's real connection between who you are and what God has called you to do. A real connection where your life matters and your words matter. Your presence matters. For, just for you to walk into the room, it just brings a, a sense of, of, of peace and stability. That people don't see you coming. It's, oh, man, here he comes, man. You know, start the car, you know, and trying to get away. But a real sense of belonging. When you fear the Lord, the Lord is present. There's peace. Because you can have all the wealth in the world and still be troubled. So for you to be blessed this morning is not a problem. God can bless you. He can bless you. He can bless you in many ways. I mean, you could be, he could bless you with wealth. But it was Solomon who said, unless the Lord builds the house. And he came to a point where he had to understand this on his own. He had to learn these things by trial and error. Those words just didn't simply come off the top of his head. He said, unless the Lord builds this house. 
man, we're like laboring in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen are watching in vain. Man, they get up early and wasting their time. They stay up late for no reason at all. They could be right there looking, watching over this, trying to protect the city, but unless the Lord builds it, we are wasting our time. That's what he said. He learned that. It was Solomon who said, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. The conclusion of the matter is to fear God and to keep his commandments. There are people just like Solomon today, people who have a whole lot going for them, a whole lot, family and health, good people, but have become disillusioned because they're searching for something other than what God has given them. What do you have today? What do you have today? There'll be people that'll be envious of what you have that we've taken for granted. You know, health and, man, somebody, somebody, somebody loves me. Man, I'm, I, that surprised me. Somebody loves me? Wow. There'd be people who would love to have somebody love them, right? Some of us have children, wives and husbands and friends, jobs, a place to sleep at night. There are others who have had conversations with God the same way Solomon did and, and made promises to God the same way Solomon did. There are people here that God made promises to you just like he did with Solomon and is able to make them come to pass for you the same way he did for Solomon. But have you forgotten what you have and what God desires to do in your life? Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Father God, is my prayer this morning that you would help us to evaluate what you've done in our lives and to love it to love the place that we're in, the station of life that you've called us to, to rekindle a love for our calling, for our purpose, and how we serve your kingdom, how we represent you in the world, to love those you've placed in our lives, to have the time for children, for family, for wife, for husband, to value those things, to value our calling, to value our health, to take care of ourselves, to live longer, to live and to, to, to thrive and to, to understand that you've called us to, to presence with others. So I pray this morning, Father God, I pray for the rich blessings that you're able to pour out upon your people. I pray for that. But I pray, Father God, that we never be distracted by anything that takes us away from an understanding that you desire to have fellowship with us. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth, than all kinds of stuff and things, and all of the turmoil that comes with it. I pray for people that value the simplicity of knowing you that are able to appreciate what it means to have a good name, a good reputation, to be a good husband, good father, to be a good friend, 
O God, upon that person, your blessing never ends. Help us to be able to handle wealth and prosperity because of who we are with you. I, I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'd stand with me this morning. Perhaps, perhaps uh, sometime in your past, you've had a prayer, a talk, a conversation with God. Maybe it was in a dream. For Solomon, it was in a, it was in a dream. And dreams, you can never be certain. You know, was that just me? Was that, man, was I, I had that, you know, chili relleno the night before. And I don't know if maybe that's playing with me. And, you know, uh, but he had a dream. And, and that dream came to pass. God gave him wisdom. Not long after that dream, he, he was confronted by the two prostitutes. You may have remembered the story, you know. And, you know, and he had to come up with the decision, you know, well, give me a sword. I'll split the baby in two. And he was able to discover who the real mother was. And just wisdom, wisdom to discern things, wisdom to lead his, his nation. It was because of a promise he had with God. God gives promises. And sometimes people overlook those moments of calling, moments of purpose. And if God has spoken to you this morning, maybe you've had that kind of conversation and God has called you to something, let's not be distracted. If that's you, why don't you come? Come to the altar. Say, God, help me to remember that place. Help me to value what I have. Help me to value. I want to be the kind of man, the kind of woman that can handle blessing, that can walk with blessing and not be distracted. I want to be the kind of man, the kind of woman that is not distracted by the things you bring to my life, the things you bless my family with. And your intent is not to harm us, but to enrich us, Father God. But for many, the blessings of heaven become distractions to those that can't handle it. Those who take their eyes off of what really matters in life. Help us to see you in everything. And Father God, that way we can secure those things that you've given to us as smear tools. We thank you this morning. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.